As you've probably heard by now, we've teamed up with BetMGM this season. We'll be using BetMGM lines to make all of our picks, and we'll have special offers for our listeners each week. If you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC, and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager with BetMGM. Here's how it works. Download the BetMGM app and sign up using bonus code THEATHLETIC. Make your first deposit of at least $10, place your first bet on any game, and claim your voucher for a one-year subscription to The Athletic. See BetMGM.com for terms. U.S. promotional offers not available in D.C., Mississippi, New York, Nevada, Ontario, or Puerto Rico. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Available in the U.S. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY 467-369 in New York. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. 1-800-327-5050 in Massachusetts. 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. 1-800-981-0023 in Puerto Rico. First bet offer for new customers only in partnership with Kansas Crossing Casino and Hotel. Don't forget, if you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager. And now, two pigeons bemoaning the fact you can stream DirecTV satellite-free. Hey, Frank, a little birdie told me you don't need a satellite dish to get DirecTV. What's little birdie? Was it Jimmy the Sparrow? It's a figure of speech. Point is, you can stream DirecTV over the internet now. Oh, sure. Next you're going to tell me those big birds are made of metal and filled with people, right? <laughs> you mean airplanes? Stream DirecTV without a satellite dish. Visit DirecTV.com. High-speed internet service required. Terms and restrictions apply. The culture is the culture. It's four to six A to B, competitive excellence, and the brotherhood. The plan to win uh, has never changed. So the culture here and the plan to win is always going to be here at Ohio State. Welcome back to 4 to 6 with A&B, your high State podcast brought to you by The Athletic. This is Bill Landis. I still really don't have a voice, but we're going to we're gonna power through this one anyway. So How did you lose it. your voice? Can you explain I don't know, that man. to me? I don't know, man. That's Ari Wasserman talking the other end, by the way. Yeah. Uh, I, don't, I don't know. I don't know. I had a, I had a sore throat. All that screaming during the Michigan game? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I had a sore <laughs> throat like over the weekend, and my throat's not even really sore anymore, but I still don't have my voice all the way back yet. Like, I could not talk at, really at all on Monday. And it's come back, you know, gradually, day by day. We're recording this on Thursday morning, but as I think you can hear and, and people listening can hear, it's it's still not quite, you know, the, the the velvety voice that it normally is. Yeah, I um am very curious. There's a large uh, portion of our audience that listens to this podcast solely because of how soothing your voice is. And uh, I've got friends who text me that you talk them to sleep sometimes. Yeah. Not because you're boring, but because your voice is just soothing to them. So I'm very curious to know if this is like a remix for them, like how this is going to go for them. Yeah, I do. I mean, if it's I, it's, I sound very weird to myself. I don't know what I sound like to other people, but if it's off-putting, I apologize. But we still wanted to give you guys a podcast. So Yeah, my, my favorite video on YouTube is Joe Para Talks You to Sleep. And <laughs> maybe 1% of the people who listen to this podcast have watched that. If you haven't, go watch it. But I would listen to Bill Landis talk you to sleep. Yeah, I'll uh, I'll just read you um, all, a list of all the offensive linemen that Ohio State has not recruited in the last decade. Yeah. <laughs> that'll be that'll be what put you to sleep. Uh, we're we're gonna I think mostly recap signing day here. Talk about Ohio State's twenty twenty two class. But Ari, my my 
my prevailing question coming out of, of National Signing Day is this. What are Takis? That's a good question. I've seen them a ton in uh, gas stations before. You've never seen them in a gas station? I've seen them, but I don't I've know I've never what they eaten are. them. I've never eaten them either. And I even when they were free when I was at the uh, event on Wednesday in Frisco, Texas, I didn't have any. Um, I think they're just tortilla chips, but they're rolled up like a dollar bill uh, would be if you were having fun at a nightclub. You know? <laughs> <laughs> um, and Andy says they're delicious. So, I mean, I guess they're worth a shot, but um, definitely think that the money was well spent for them because we've talked about Takis on every podcast I've been on and I wrote about it in the story and like it, they, the awareness for Takis is out there now. Yeah. Um, and they, they flew Keontae Goodwin from Louisville to Frisco, Texas to announce that he doesn't have an announcement. And I think they were upset in the moment. Like the representatives of Takis were upset then, but I think the shit show that that turned into actually was the best possible thing that could have happened to Takis. Now, can I ask you a question? Sure. And and it's kind of funny too, because we haven't, we've rated potato chips on this podcast before, like the best types of potato chips. And you and I are definitely big on the regional potato chip and gas stations during road trips. Yes. So moving on from Takis though, are people sadder today than they were like the week after the Michigan game? Or is that just like my, uh, am I just like out of touch? Cause like everything that I've seen about Ohio state and everything that I, like I was, and I know that I have a, pr- a predominantly Ohio state audience on Twitter because of my past, but everything I tweeted about, whether it be Texas or Oklahoma or Georgia Ohio State fans are like, well, just sucks to be an Ohio State fan today. Then, <laughs> like, and it's just like everybody was like upset. And I was at the announcement when Terrence Brooks put the horn sign up. I know if you're an Ohio State fan, you don't want to see that. And I think we're going to talk about Terrence Brooks, and I'd love to have that discussion because Dollar B, my main man, isn't 100% with me on the story that I wrote on The Athletic. If you haven't re- read it, I'd encourage you to do so. If not, we're going to talk about it now. But it was still a good class, right? Like I don't know, like right, right, right. It's a good class, right? Like I feel, I, I feel like it's not people. I don't. I, I, I always feel like I pay attention to like the 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 vocal minority, and for some reason, I allow those people to to kind of paint my perception of of the fan base as a whole. So maybe I'm doing that here as well. But I feel like the overwhelming reaction to this class, which is number four in the country, number three in average player rating, it's the fourth best class Ohio State has signed since like the new era that started under Urban uh, in in 2012, and everyone's just like seems like they're kind of bummed, and I don't know I th- why. Like, I, I think it's a good class. I think, first of all, there aren't a lot of players in it, so I think that's why it's fourth. I think if you did based on average player rating, it would be third. It's third. Well, that's the um, thing. It's like they're. They have 18 commits in their fourth. That tells you that this is a real... Every, the teams I above have, them have 26, 24, and 26. I have theories, and we can discuss theories because it's a podcast. One, Texas A&M, Alabama, and Georgia all did cannonballs into the five-star pool yesterday. Uh, they certainly we're, did. We're recording this on Thursday, December 16th, the day after the early signing period began. Texas A&M is going to sign like the greatest class in modern recruiting history, I think, because they're going to take like 31 guys potentially because of that new carryover seven rule. I think you can get the 32 yeah. now. The 85 scholarship um, limit be damned. We're signing the 31. Well, they're they're getting like Texas A&M is in has four or five star prospects committed. I think 12 or 13 top 100 players and are still like very much in the mix for like five other five star prospects or three or four <laughs> five other top 100 players like Harold Perkins. 
and Walter Nolan actually signed his letter of intent, uh, which did? was yeah he wow. signed it yeah so like they got him which I think is a recruiting win, and Ohio State fans were just like why aren't we in the mix and it's just like funny because if you look at Ohio State's class, who's the best player in Ohio State's class right now is it Caleb Burton C J Hicks C J Hicks, Sonny Styles also. Um, helping that both of those guys are Ohio prospects mm-hmm. and I think when you sign a five-star prospect from Ohio the excitement isn't as much as if that person happened to live in Utah well that's what I say if CJ Hicks was from like Detroit Sonny Styles was from Phoenix would people be thinking differently the I rankings think, were if the rankings were the same would people be thinking differently about the class? I think there is a psychological difference between getting the really good player who lives in Ohio who's just going to go to Ohio State and like beating Alabama Texas Georgia and Clemson for the kid in LA yeah. Like there's a psychological difference because whether or not people want to admit it, recruiting is also a um it's a competition and you want to win the competition. So it's not right. just about getting the talent. It is for the coaches, but for like us and and fans, the rankings are a scoreboard. And they don't want to lose to Alabama, Georgia and and Texas A&M and like two the other thing is I think Caleb Burton was injured this past year or for a large portion of the last two years, and Caleb Burton's ranking fell to four stars. He's a five-star prospect. So yeah, wasn't like he like the number one receiver when he committed? Yeah, he's like the number nine receiver now. I don't know what happened. And like Luther Burton and Evan Stewart and <clears throat> some of the other guys out there still, you know, are really, really good. But Caleb Brown and Caleb Burton, Caleb and Caleb and Caleb, if you need a law. Law, you have lawyer. The receivers, law. the receivers are uh, Caleb, Caleb, Keon, and Kojo in this class. <laughs> that sounds like a good law firm. <laughs> yeah. Um, I think that there's a little. Have you seen that meme of the train? And there's a guy sitting on one side of the train, and the view is like the side of a, of yes. a mountain, yeah, and the yeah. other side of the train is like a beautiful view. Like Ohio State's, like get your commitments in the middle of the summer, looking at the wall. Get your commitments on signing day. Look at the other way. But I will say, and this is, you know, people I think appreciate our podcasts because we're not rose-colored glasses. Ohio State's class isn't as good as the other ones in front of it. Maybe Georgia, because Georgia has more three-star prospects committed than the other three combined in the top four. But Texas A&M's class is better, mm-hmm. you know, and Alabama's class is better. And both of those teams are making splashes and competing against each other. And, you know, Ohio State missed the playoff this year, got spanked by Alabama last year. This was supposed to be the year where their class was undeniably number one, too. Don't forget that. Like, they were supposed to have Quinn Ewers in this class. And, like, Quinn Ewers flipped to Texas, and there's still some, I'm sure, mm. underlying bad tastes in your mouth because of that happening. You know, like, people can act like they don't care. People care a lot about that. They're freaking out about Quinn Ewers the entire time he was at Ohio State. It's a big loss. It's basically losing the number one player in the country to Texas, right? Then right. Terrence Brooks gets up on on the stage and flashes the hook'em sign, and he's a top 100 player. Like, there's a lot of different things that I think are contributing to the stew of just like Ohio State's not clicking right now. I think that's right. I'm trying to see if they'll allow me. Oh, they won't allow me. I was going to play around with uh, the class calculator on 247 Sports to see if they would let me put Quinn Ewers in the class, but they won't because he's not technically a 2022 commit anymore. But yeah, if like Quinn Ewers. Why would you put him in the class anyway? To hammer home your point of what this class like once yeah. looked like it was going to be, like if you had Quinn Ewers and Jaheim Singletary and Terrence Brooks in this class, where would it rank comparatively to to A and M and Alabama? Especially, yeah, that'd be. I bet you it would be uh, right there because it's two more five stars. It would be a, the a number one rated player. average player ranking for sure. Yeah, because you have the number one overall player in the country and a five star defensive back, and then Terrence Brooks is what like fifty eight or something. Yeah, yeah, top sixty. Yeah, 
So like, no, I get that. And and it's like, you, and, and in addition, like it wasn't just that you lost Terrence Brooks to Texas and Jaheim Singletary, you lost him a while ago and he, he signed with Georgia. Right. Um, like those are also like needs. Ohio state did not hit all of its needs in this class. Um, and, and I think like, say what you will about wanting to make splashes. And, and I think splashes are important and you want to be relevant on national signing day. I think filling your needs is, is probably more important in the grand scheme. And they didn't, they didn't really do that. Um, they didn't do it a corner. Um, I, I actually don't think safety is a big of a deal as people are making it out to be, but when you don't get Xavier Wampa or Zion branch, I understand the sentiment. Um, and I also think that they didn't quite fill their needs along the offensive line as well, because they signed, Tegra Shabola, who I think is an interior guy, and they signed two lower-rated tackles, so you're really banking on a, you know a lot of projection there with George Fitzpatrick and especially Avery Henry, Avery Henry who's ranked in the thousands as a prospect. So uh, I, I understand those things, but I still don't. E- even with that, I don't. I don't quite you know mesh with the vibe that this is somehow not not a good class or even it's like a not, chili, a good, man. Not, a, not even a good enough class. It's a chili. They got their butts kicked by Michigan. Yeah, that's, I mean that's, that's an ingredient in the chili. Yeah, that's that's certainly they didn't an make the college football playoff. That's an ingredient in the chili. What is the like last... the most overpowering flavor profile of an ingredient that you can put into a dish where like the dish only tastes like that thing? Anymore? Bacon, because that, that's what no, because bacon bacon is something people think is a good thing. Oh, you um, mean like bitter? Yeah. Oh, that's what that's what the Michigan loss is. Oh, I think bacon is the most overpowering flavor that you can put in to anything. If you put bacon on anything, that's all I taste. Bacon, Michigan loss is like when you make a soup and you put a bay leaf in there and then you forget to take the bay leaf out and then you choke then on you it while you're eating the soup. Yeah, that's what, yeah. that's what the Michigan loss is. Yeah. But is the soup the soup is still pretty good? The soup is still pretty good. You just like, you know, you might die when you eat it. Yeah. That happens <laughs> so all the time to me, by the way. Choking on a bay leaf? I don't choke, but like a, I always put it in my spoon. Yeah. Um, it can be tricky. What else is in the stew? I don't know. A really good linebacker and CJ Hicks. A really Quinn, good Quinn Ewers is in the stew. Quinn Ewers is in the stew. Yeah. Terrence Brooks is in the stew. Yeah. Texas, even though they have been dysfunctional for ten years, is definitely in the stew. Yeah. All right. Let's let's talk about the Terrence Brooks. So you were there uh, in in Frisco, right, at the Star, the Cowboys facility, where they had the the event with the Takis, which is why I mentioned it at the start. They had um, kolaches there too. Love that. Have you you've had have you had those before? Yeah. <laughs> have you had so you can get them like savory or sweet, right? Have you which of I've you never had? had a sweet one, but you yeah, you, neither, you could have guessed that. About yeah, me. neither have I. I've had like I've had I like ones the ones like, that have like the spicy sausage inside with mm-hmm. the cheddar cheese melted inside yeah. of a, a. It's like pig in a blanket, basically. Yeah. Right. Now I don't know. I've had them, but I don't know if I've been to a place that does them the best. You know, like everything. You know, there's kolaches. Is that how you say it? Kolache or kolache? I actually don't know. I always I think it's I thought, or kolache. I thought it was, I thought it was kolache. Yeah. Whatever. I'm sure there's places in Texas that are like, this is the best kolache you could ever have in your entire life. And I don't think I've been there. I've eaten them at Bucky's, and they had them laid out at the thing. And some of them don't have hot dogs in them. Some of them are just like, you know, like how Doug likes those hot Asian buns. Mm-hmm. It's basically that, but like with like there was one that had cheese, egg, and potato in it. Yeah. Or some have hot dogs in it or sausages. Some are like Andy was saying that they have like apricot spread and sweet ones so it's anyway. uh, according to the internet it's pronounced kolache and there used to be a place in german village called kolache cafe that i went to one time that i think still exists but has since moved uh very good went there got got a couple of, of uh breakfast i thought it was a ones. texas team was that a texas thing i think it's like a czech thing 
I know, but why are they everywhere in Texas? Because like when I lived in Ohio, they were nowhere. And then, like, now, ever since I moved to Texas, they're, like, in gas stations and, like, you can get them in drive throughs Like, they're everywhere here. I don't know. It's the same thing of, like, why are there so many Coney Island restaurants in Detroit? There are a lot of Yarmir Yager fans in Texas. I don't know anything about hockey, so He's I don't know what that means. Oh, he is. <laughs> Maybe I should have put that together. What were we talking about? All right, Terrence Brooks. Terrence Brooks. Terrence I was there. Someone's going to tweet at us. Uh or just at me with you mentioned because you always have to read it and go, Ari's a jackass because he goes off point and how could he, how dare him talk about how he has to wait for his laptop for an extra three days? How could he not know who Yamir Yager is? Yeah. <laughs> um, still haven't got my laptop, by the way. Guy who got mad about me f- venting about chip shortages. <laughs> um, yeah, but I had a feeling that that was going to happen. Like I text you, he's going to Texas like four hours before it happened because it just kind of yeah. felt like that was the vibe of the place. And obviously... What you said on the phone, which I put in my story, which was probably plagiarism, but like Doug taught me when we were young that if somebody says something, it's fair game. So uh, (laughs) the recruitment was weird, right? He got offered, he visited, and he committed in a two-week period, you said, Mm -hmm. and then he never came back. All the while, Ohio State hired a new defensive coordinator, and the status of the person who recruited him, which was Kerry Combs, right, yep. is still kind of in question. Now, I'm assuming he has a really good chance of being back, but that's not a fact yet. And if that's not a fact, that's uncertainty. He flipped to Texas. He did. Looking for an assist with your credit card but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep. You heard that right. You can talk to a real human and customer service at any time. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. And now, two pigeons bemoaning the fact you can stream DirecTV satellite free. You see this? A family watching baseball on DirecTV with no satellite dish in sight. Let's heckle them. You call that changing the channel? Choke up on the remote, buddy. I hope getting all these games on DirecTV makes up for your mother not pre-chewing your sunflower seeds. DirecTV has the most MLB games. Visit DirecTV.com. Claim based on total games offered on national and regional sports networks with choice package or higher. Availability of RSNs varies by zip code and package. High-speed internet service required. Terms and restrictions apply. What was it that I wrote that you would push back on? And what? well, I don't. I don't think. Uh, so your headline was like it's a line in the sand, right? With with Texas as it pertains to to Ohio State in particular coming down there and getting players. Um, which I, don't, I I I guess I don't disagree with offhand. I just don't know if I'd go go that far with that one instance because like Ohio State got Caleb Burton, mm-hmm. um, who like. Caleb Burton is in like Quinn Ewers Instagram profile picture. Like he's very good friends with Quinn Ewers and everyone thought that like Quinn was going to take Caleb Burton with him when he, when he transferred to Texas and Ohio state still won that battle because Brian Hartline's a dog and that's what he does. Um, but like that, that leads me to believe that like the, like Ohio state is not done recruiting Texas. And like, we've, I feel like we've had this conversation. Is that what, before. is that what it felt like when you no. read it that I felt like Ohio state was done recruiting Texas? I think it was okay. Not what I wanted. To I think it was across. okay to like to kind of like set the stage for that. Like, listen, like this could be a thing. I think that's fair. Um, I guess what I what I said when I met when I said I, I would push back on it a little bit is like we've we've been here before. Like Tom Herman's 2018 Texas class. I think they signed like a dozen 
of like the top 15 or 20 players in the state of Texas. And I remember at the time we were like, Oh, cause it was right on the heels of Ohio state getting Baron Browning and uh, JK Dobbins. And I think there was one, was there one more Texan in that class? Uh, Where? In the 2017 class when Ohio state got all those Texan, all those Texas players. Jeff Okuda. Back. Jeff Okuda. Right. Um, Pretty big one to forget. Right. Jeff, yeah, the, the best one. I forget the best one. Um, uh, <laughs> yeah. The guy who was the third pick in the draft. Um, and then the next year, Tom Herman, like, got his shit together and recruited Texas very well. And I, I remember at the time having conversations like, oh, well, this this could be a sea change in the way that, that Ohio State's not going to be able to do what it just did in Texas anymore. And and I guess, like, if you look back on it, they haven't done that. But I also think doing doing what they did that year, Browning, Dobbins, Okuda, all in one class, I, like, I, don't, I don't know if that was ever my expectation. My expectation was more that, like, Ohio State's always going to be a player in Texas. And they have been since then. Um, in, in 18, they only got Matt Baldwin when Texas got all those guys. But they got Garrett Wilson the next year. They got Jackson Smith and Jigba and Ryan Watts. They got Quinn Ewers. I know that probably doesn't count now, but they did get him. No, that counts. Um, and they got Donovan Jackson, and they got Caleb Burton. And I think there's a decent chance they're going to get Omari Abor. Um, and we'll see where it goes from there. Like, it could be in 2023 that, that Texas is, in fact, you know, more or less shut out from, to, to Ohio State. But, but here's the, here's I just think the, there's too many good here, yeah. players there for that to, to, for that to ever be true if the prevailing takeaway for an ohio state fan when reading my story was ohio state can't recruit texas anymore that was me communicating poorly okay because i don't think that at all what i do think is that this stat could be ending the stat where over a th- four or five year period between 2017 and 22 that ohio state landed more five-star prospects in texas than texas yeah like that's the line in the sand that i'm, I'm discussing like ohio state alabama Clemson, Georgia, those teams, and I think I wrote it in the story, programs like Ohio State, Alabama, Georgia, and Clemson are always going to get their share of national recruiting battles and wins. But, like, at a certain point, and I know that I always joke about being the first person to say Texas is back when, <laughs> when like, they're never back. And, like, right now it's my lip is quivering because it's hard not to say it again based on what they've been accomplishing on the recruiting trail a little bit, even though, ironically enough, they had a great week, but they're getting their ass kicked by A and M too. So it's like kind of like also. A, I, I also look. I don't like know how to this this. Sorry, I lost your connection there for a second. This uh, this current class that Texas has would be like Tom Herman's like fourth best class or third best class at Texas. Like it's not. It's a good class for them. I think they're on the fringe of the top ten, right? But it's not like Texas is on the fringe th- of the top ten. I think they're like six. Oh, sorry, you're right. I was thinking of. Uh, yeah, they're five. I was thinking of uh, uh, Tennessee, um, but by average player rating, I think it's still like the third or would be the third or fourth best class that Tom Herman has had, and it's still, I think, yeah, they've like, got twenty seven s- commitments right now, which it's like significantly worse than Ohio State's class, I think. Even though and they also were a, a huge beneficiary of Kelvin Banks not going to Oregon because of the crystal ball thing. Yeah, but like Texas also is probably going to get. Um, Another five-star prospect in February when um, – what's his name? I forget his name. Devin Campbell, sorry, of Arlington Bowie is announcing between Texas and o- Oklahoma in February, and I think the prevailing thought is that Texas is going to get him. They're still technically alive for Denver Harris and Harold Perkins. Like They, they still have a chance, I mean, potentially with Jacoby Matthews. Um, Ernest Green is still – I mean, I think he's going to Bama, but like they're still alive in in the hunt for a lot of players who haven't signed. And if they push it to February, you never know. You you know sure. what can happen in a week if you push it three months. I, players who haven't signed or are considering Texas, there's a lot of really good players. Um, that said, if Quinn Ewers is who we thought he was when he got to Ohio State, 
Because just because he's not on Ohio State's roster anymore doesn't mean he's not freaking good. Okay. Because like, I know fans make that switch, but I'm not <laughs> making. I mean, he's still a really good football player. He could go win the Heisman at Texas, and Texas could be like the coolest. Like, I mean, if you think about it, next year, if Quinn starts next year, and mm-hmm. I don't want to like give nightmare fuel on a day that we're talking about Ohio State's class, but between Xavier Worthy, Quinn Ewers, Bijan Robinson, and some of the linemen that they're bringing in. They might have a really, really good team next year. Now, I don't know. It might just be crappy like it always is, and I'm not going to say Texas is back until they're back. But if Texas ever gets to the point where its roster actually matches or the results in the field matches its roster, it'll be harder for Ohio State, especially with Texas A&M, too. It's like not just a Texas thing. Like if Texas A&M is going to be recruiting the way they're recruiting, add in Alabama and LSU who are closer to you know Eastern Texas and you know Houston than Ohio State, it's just going to be a really crowded place. And I think the idea of them signing three or four or five-star prospects from that state in a two-year period might be a thing of the past. And maybe yeah. it was just like I should have mentioned that there are other factors involved. But the line in the sand wasn't that Ohio State isn't welcome in the Lone Star State anymore. The line in the sand is that Ohio State shouldn't be or can't be signing more five-star prospects in Texas than Texas during a five-year period. Yeah. But that's more of a Texas thing than Ohio than an Ohio State thing. Yeah. Yeah. But I, I think you're right on that. Um I think it will be interesting to monitor moving forward because, you know, and we talked about this with, with Lincoln Riley going to USC too, like how much of some of the territories that Ohio State has done a really good job of, of exploiting, for, for lack of a better term, over the last few years, like how much of that is going to shift. And, and I think there is going to be a shift. Um, Dude, like even I've, Billy Napier got a five-star. I mean, yeah, he won more recruiting battles in a week over Georgia than Dan Mullen did in three years. Yeah. And you also have um, – LA's tough, Texas is tough. And like the thing too, Landis, is that we never consider is that we always feel like what is happening in the moment. What is happening in the moment is going to stay the same forever. And um you know how quickly perceptions can change. Like if you would have made a joke about how Jimbo Fisher was holding AM hostage two years ago with that crazy contract, and it was before they had their crazy ending to the 2021 cycle, you would think that this guy is like robbing, robbing A and M. Yeah. And like now they're Mel Tucker's making that much money, mm-hmm. you know, like, so the perception of Jimbo Fisher has certainly changed. Now, eventually he's going to have to start winning, maybe making a playoff, but like, think about that perception of Jimbo Fisher. Think about the perception of Jim Harbaugh and how that's changed in, in two weeks. The perception of um, Steve Sarkeesian right now is that Texas is dysfunctional and he's going to get fired. And it's like, they are one 11 win season away from that changing. And if that perception changes, if this is already happening now, it might be more difficult. So I've been on a 10-year wait of anticipation of Texas being back, and they haven't. It's transcended different coaching hires. It's transcended different players. And for whatever reason, it might just be a poisonous place for whatever reason. I don't know what that is. I don't cover Texas. But I do think that it would be an interesting story, and maybe we should team up on it and do a little double byline action. Love it. Call some people and just say, can Ohio State recruit nationally as effective as effectively if the, as they used to now that all of their most fertile out-of-state recruiting territories are harder to recruit? It's harder to recruit Texas now than it was before. It's harder to recruit L.A. than it was before. It's harder to recruit Florida now. I mean, Billy <sighs> Napier is a better recruiter than Dan Mullen. Add into the fact that any single time they want to get a five-star prospect, they're going to have to win a battle over Alabama, Georgia, Clemson, and and Texas A&M all of a sudden. It's just like hard. It's just really hard. Yeah, I, I I do think it's 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 worth exploring, and I and I do think that maybe part of the 
the vibe towards this class is that there's not a ton of, you know, that that upper, upper echelon kind of players that Ohio State did go out nationally and get. Um, I just want to run through. These are the, the top, the guys who are ranked in the top 150 in Ohio State's class and where they're from. Ohio, Ohio, Utah, Texas, Florida, Chicago, uh, Indiana, Arizona, Ohio, Sewanee, Georgia. So it's still a fairly national reach there. Um, But, you know, you didn't go. No, no, they're certainly national. Yeah. So, but the the landscape is, the landscape looks like it could shift, I guess is what I would say. I don't know that I I would say that it is But what we do is forecast, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. We try to read the tea leaves. Because I do think, like, for as much of of a tizzy as people are in about, like, some of this NIL stuff and how it might be, like helping some of these programs and be Texas in particular, Steve Sarkeesian still has to go win games and prove that he can get guys at the NFL. Um, and Ohio state does both of those things uh, in a major way and has a long track record of doing so. And I still think both of those things, when you're talking about upper, upper echelon cream of the crap type of players, I think both of those things resonate more than can I get, you know, six grand from a car dealership. Um, so I don't think I, I, th- well, I do think that the world is changing, and Ohio State does need to adapt a little bit. Maybe we could talk about that some, but um, I still think the two things that matter the most, which are winning games and NFL development, are, there are less than a handful of programs who rival Ohio State in both those categories. So, like, I don't it's, think the it's rugs really get pulled underneath from Ohio State. Landis, because we opened the podcast saying that there is this like level of dissatisfaction with Ohio State's class from its fans. And we have spent the majority of the time on this podcast talking about all the shitty things, you know, and it's just like, I can understand why people would be a little bit bummed. Like it's harder. So like, you know, but it's still a really, really good class. And like the idea of people, and they're not done. They're also not done. Yeah. So who, who is it that you believe that they're going to get Aber, right? Abor, I, I'm, I'm less confident in that. Um, I'm pretty confident in Hiro Canoe. And, and Hiro Canoe was supposed to sign uh, on Wednesday, but not announce until January 8th. So we have to wait a little while on that. So Hiro Canoe, um, Carson Hinsman, the, the interior lineman from Wisconsin, who was, who's a good prospect. He's not a tackle. They need tackles, but he's a good offensive line prospect. He'd be, he, he would be a good get for them. Um, and then Omari Abor, I think, is is a borderline five-star you know, edge rusher kind of guy that that I think would if Ohio State had landed him or a player like him the vibes on this class would be very different so if they get him I think that'd be a big big win as well I don't know like with all the shit going on down in Texas like I don't know if, if the Longhorns get back in on him A&M I mean, is, he was really big on Oklahoma there. early wasn't Oklahoma he? like Brett Venables is there now like who yeah. I, I don't I don't know where that's gonna go um I, I believe the three months with, might as well be two years the plan with him I think is to announce at the Under Armour game on January 2nd um so those are the big three and then I also think we need to do, and I probably will do, um, an assessment of where things are. Like once the dust settles with this early period, and see who signed and who hasn't, and try to maybe pick out a guy or two that I think Ohio State might try to go after to address some of the needs that I talked about before, which are cornerback and um, offensive tackle, and like perhaps tight end if there's if there's something there that makes sense. Yeah. Um, so Ryan Day, and maybe this could be a podcast for the future, but I know Ryan Day from what I saw in the press conference uh, on Wednesday, basically wrote down or broke down every single position group and how many scholarship players he'd want in those rooms. Is that right? He did, yes. How 
off just off the top of your head like basic back of the napkin math like or is he like oh do you anywhere? think I, do you think i didn't make a google doc with everything that he said and then went through the entire roster and listed every guy there because i'm do that. i'm gonna it's roster <laughs> building i'm a jackass for not for, for doubting you uh why don't you run that down i find that to be interesting so uh it was uh four quarterbacks they have three and i think they're going to stamp out at three he said five. i also disagree on needing four by the way that's right that'll always be my thing all right <laughs> I think four is, is a bit of a pipe dream. Especially have, now. <laughs> yeah, if they have three. Yeah. Um, running back, he said five. They actually have six right now with Dallin Hayden coming in. Now we'll see if there's any movement with Master Teague, Marcus Crowley, or Mayan Williams. But right now they're one over what they say they need there. Um, receiver, he said 11. I have them at 10, and that's including Cameron Babb, who we're not even sure if he's going to play football again. Um, so I could see, as much as like I don't think they need one because they're super talented there and they're stacked, like, it wouldn't shock me if they said, like, oh, we need another body, and they get one, went out and got one. Um, tight end, he said five. They have five. Uh, he said offensive line 16, so I just broke that into tackle and interior eight and eight. Um, and I have, I have them down for eight tackles and eight interior guys, like an even split, but – Tackle, tackle. Once you get past Dewan Jones and Paris Johnson, is real thin. <laughs> and like one of the guys I have listed there is like Enoch Vimahi, who is playing tackle, but I think is probably more of a guard. And then it's George Fitzpatrick, Avery Henry, who just signed Trey Larue, Grant Tutant, and Zen Mohowski from last year's class. Like that is, I'm not saying some, one or two of those guys may not be good eventually down the road, but it's like Dewan Jones, good. Paris Johnson, we think it's going to be a stud, and then. I don't know what you have there behind those two guys. So, like, even though they're at their number, uh, they I think they need a Yeah, I mean, there's a difference between there. being at your number and being good. Yeah. Um, <laughs> Not that those guys aren't, but there's a lot of developmental prospects on that list. Right. Interior line, I have them for eight, and, and they look pretty good there. Uh, defensive tackle, he said eight. I have them at six. Um, and that's not including, I think, Jerron Cage, who might come back. So, we'll put them at seven. And if they have if they add Hero Canoe, um, they'll be good there at eight. Um, defensive end, I have them at eight. That's including Tyler Friday, who I think is coming back next year. It's not including Tyreek Smith or Zach Harrison, uh, but I think they're pretty good there, especially if they add Amari Abor. I think they're fine at that position. Uh, now, this is where it gets a little weird because the defense could be changing, but he said he said seven or eight for linebacker. I, I just I put them at eight, and they have eight. That includes uh, Palie Noateote, who I think is eligible to come back if he wants to. That does not include Taraja Mitchell, who could come back if he wanted to. Um, it's an okay group. I think CJ Hicks and Gay Powers are, do a lot of heavy lifting there in terms of making you feel good about the talent level, which I don't know if that's a great thing because they're not even on campus yet. Um, Bullets, he said four, uh, and they, I have them down with four with Ronnie Hickman, Court Williams, Jalen Johnson, and now Sonny Styles. Um, cornerback, he said eight. I have them at six. That's not including Cameron Johnson. That's not including Seven Banks. My, I think both those guys are going pro. Neither one has said so yet. Maybe one of them comes back and they're at seven. They probably still want to add one there regardless. And then safeties, he said seven, and I have them at seven um, with the addition of Kai Stokes and Josh Proctor coming back next year, which is why I said at the beginning that I didn't think safety was, was the major need. People made it out to be, even if you want to argue, like they could use an influx of talent. I would agree with that, but in terms of numbers, I think they're fine at safety. Yeah, I mean, there's a just a, there's a difference between numbers and, and right talent. Yeah. So, if you went back and you that was a really great breakdown, Bill. Thank you for that. Yeah, no problem. Uh, and that was his TED talk. <laughs> um, I'm great. wondering. I'll do a four hour show on that. If you want to. Did that like do you feel tingly right now? Yeah. Now this would be even um, better if you went and you looked at the breakdowns. Which ones get a pass and which one get a fail? 
Yeah, I think you're right. I think that would be fun. I think it would also be like, be mean. <laughs> so No, go, it's uh, not. This is a podcast and it's real. Do it. Yeah. Don't be mean. Don't, you don't have to say anybody's name. Just go position group, fat pass or fail. Quarterback pass, running back pass, receiver pass. Uh, tight end, I I don't think I could say I would not I would not say pass for tight end. So I guess that means I'd have to say fail. Fail seems strong, but I do think they're coming up a little bit short there. Um, tackle, Why? What, what what is it there? What? Because like I think I think like the most complete tight end in that room might be the kid who just signed yesterday, Bennett Christian. It's like you have a converted defensive player in Kate Stover. You have G. Scott Jr., who's a receiver, trying to make that transition. Transition, and you have Sam. Is G. Hart. Scott ever going to go back to receiver? or Is that like long term? I think tight ends long term for him. And then you have Sam Hart and Joe Royer, who were like more receiving tight end prospects coming out of high school, who were still like developing physically and trying to become trying to become what they're actually used for in this offense, which is blocking. And meanwhile, Bennett Christian is showing up as like a six six, two hundred and thirty five pound, two hundred and forty pound dude who like made his bones blocking in high school. Like for all, as much as we talk about Ohio State like throwing to the tight end more or whatever, like Jeremy Ruckert is a really good tight end. I think they need to start recruiting more guys like Bennett Christian and less guys like Jeremy Ruckert because you don't throw the ball to him anyway. So you just go get a guy who's like a, a glorified left tackle and then maybe throw him a ball four times a year. Well, like what about the thing about it too is just like Michigan's tight ends that all dude. Yeah, I don't. They took. I think they did not take. They took Carmonte Hamilton that year. And he's not even playing tight end anymore. He's like a fourth string defensive end. Um, big time miss, I think, not taking Eric all. From the same high school as Jackson Carmen, right? Yeah. Um, but like that is kind of, to me, the prototypical type of tight end, especially considering the fact that he's an Ohioan. Yeah, he's um, Luke Farrell. He's like a big dude. He's like 6'5", I think, right? 250 yeah. pounds. Um, is a really, really good blocker and catches anything, even if he's going to get his head knocked off across the middle. And it's like that to me. It's like quit trying to get Travis Kelsey and right. go get Pratt Fryermuth, right? Is that yeah. the is that how you would say it? Yeah, or even Pratt Fryermuth is on my fantasy team and it's been great. He's really good. He's Heath Miller. Yeah, I love Heath Miller. I used to have a Heath Miller jersey. The, the second he got drafted by Pittsburgh, everybody on earth should have known what that was going to be. And like maybe it'll change when Ben Roethlisberger retires, but like I feel like that's the type of guy that Ohio State needs in there. If you're not going to throw it to him, and you're not going to, you don't have Mahomes, Kelsey there. Go get a guy that can knock a defensive end on his ass and also catch a pass and get hit in the back uh, while the ball's hitting him in the hands, so would still catch it for a critical third down and six in the fourth quarter of the Michigan game. I think that's what Bennett Christian is. I'm not saying he's going to be that right away, but in, yeah. in, the, in the in the final thought story I wrote that went up on Wednesday night. Like, I gave a pick for a guy who I think might make the most immediate impact in this class, and he was my pick, which I realize is not the sexiest pick in the world by any stretch. But uh, we're trying to sell subs here, but like, I, I know, know. I know. It's like, <laughs> can you stop writing about tight ends and offensive linemen, please, and sell some goddamn subs? Yeah, sorry. Um, but I think, like, in terms of what they need and what he does, I, I, I don't know. It seemed like pretty apparent to me that he could be that guy. Um, but anyway, I still, you know, they're coming up short. I think a tight end tackle, I would not give them a pass. I think the, the top two were really good. And the other six, I I have no idea what to make of it. They should have they should have better players there. Um, interior offensive line, I think, is a pass. Defensive tackle. If you add Hero Canoe to Caden Carey, Mike Hall, Tyleek Williams, um, I think that's a pass. Uh, defensive end, I think, is a pass. Um, so it's not so bad. 
yeah, linebacker. Hard, hard because the best guys I think are the two. Like I said, the two guys who who just signed. Um, so I, I, I fear if your room is eight players and six of them are are more veteran guys, you're not quite sure what to expect. Of. Maybe that's hard to say past. But I also like Steel Chambers. I think a healthy Cody Simon could be pretty good. So I don't know. Like a soft, I'll give him like a soft pass there, but I don't feel great about it. Soft J, yeah, yeah. Yogging, uh, <laughs> yogging. <laughs> bullet, bullet with uh, Hickman, Court Williams, Jalen Johnson, and Sonny Styles. I think it's a pass. Um, corner is not a pass because they're just so like they're so young. They just like it's Denzel Burke and then a, and then five guys who've never played before. If Cameron Brown comes back, maybe they're they're in better shape, but. It's hard for me to say that's a pass when you have one right now. It looks like you're gonna have one guy coming back who's played like at all, and then the other five guys have never played before. Um, and then safety, actually, people might not agree with this. I think I actually think safety is okay. I, w- I would consider safety a pass with Josh Proctor coming back. Um, I like Lathan Ransom, Cameron Martinez, and I like the guys I signed last year, Jansen Dunn and Andre Turrentine. They did they didn't play much. Jansen Dunn, I think, was hurt. Um, and then I also like you know I always hate when we talk about who's the most underrated guy in Ohio State's class. Um, but if we're going to give someone that label in this class, it might be Kai Stokes. So um, I think they're okay there. Yeah, it wasn't so mean. I thought you wanted me to go like individual players. Like this guy sucks. This guy sucks. You're cool. This guy sucks. No, no, <laughs> we wouldn't do that. They're not until they're paid, and then once they're paid, then I'll tell them they suck. If they went to Texas, they'd be paid. Well, yeah. Do you want to go into that for five <laughs> minutes? Because I got really frustrated yesterday, and I had to vent. I like called Bill. And I FaceTimed him because I needed to see his face. Just a little, uh, you know, behind the curtain action here. Because Bill and I, I don't know if I'm actually Bill's best friend, but he's one of my best friends. Yeah, you're and, one of my best friends. Okay, okay. I don't know. Because like, I say it all the time, and you're like, thanks. <laughs> <laughs> um, um, yeah, no, we should talk like, about it. Because it like frustrates Ryan Day, the hell Ryan out Day of made a thing about it. Like, Ryan Day Ryan okay. Day was the people in, in, your, in the comments of your story. They were like, oh, they're just paying for players now. Like, newsflash, they've always been paying for players. It's just more okay. out in the open now. Why don't you break down what he said for them real quick, and then we'll get into it. Uh, Ryan Day was asked probably six different times about NIL, and his answer each time was more or less the same, which was, hey, we, we can't do anything about it. Ohio State, the coaching staff, were not allowed to initiate deals, be involved in the deal-making process for any of these players, which is true. It's against uh, Ohio State's NIL rules. I, I think it's against the, the state law. Um, there are loopholes across the country. There's no uniformity in this. Um, and that's where the frustration comes from. I get that. I think it's. And what did we not know that was going to happen? Right. Um, yeah. Fun, funnily enough, um, like I think, I think the driver behind a lot of this is Texas, and like Texas's coaches are not allowed to facilitate deals either. It's written pretty explicitly in, in the university's NIL bylaws as well that they're not allowed to do that. But Texas also has this like booster slush fund that's going to pay fifty thousand dollars to every offensive lineman who goes there, regardless of how good he is or how much he plays. Um, and I get that that's frustrating. But what Ryan Day did on Wednesday was basically just like stand up at the podium and be like, "Hey guys, we can't do anything about this. We, the coaches, we can't do anything about this." And I wish he would have just yelled like, "Attention boosters!" and like. Brian Schottenstein, please fire your money cannon at our NIL situation so that we can develop slush funds for our players and compete with other programs across the country. That's basically what Ryan Day did. And what is so it like? Many, it's like a releasing. So it's a releasing trust fund that once you turn eighteen, you get money released little by little. Yeah. Is that is that so? Is that like the the prevailing thought of Ohio State lost out on guys? Terrence Book Brooks flipped to Texas because they're getting paid more. Is that like what everybody thinks? Is that like a I, yeah? Like I, truth be even told, even the Travis Hunter thing, to be, going to Jackson State was an NIL discussion. Yeah, but 
which I think is a more valid one. I actually don't know. Like, it, it was a major talking point around Ohio State on Wednesday, but I don't really know why because I don't, I don't know how much of, I don't know how much of an impact that played on Terrence Brooks. I don't know. Maybe there's some secret fund for cornerbacks to go to Texas too. Like, I have no idea. The Terrence Brooks thing to me felt much more like coaching staff instability at Ohio State playing a factor more than anything else. And then, like, they didn't lose anybody else because of NIL stuff. So I don't, I don't really know why it was such a talking Ohio, Ohio State, State people make excuses for everything all the time. And it's like, you know who I don't feel bad for from a financial standpoint? Ohio fucking state. They're fine. <laughs> like, like, are you kidding me? Like, oh, Texas has some sort of res- Like, how many... During the entire NIL discussion, before it even happened, all we heard about is Ohio's... Oh, Columbus, Ohio is a major city, and there's nine Fortune 500 companies here, and the Schottensteins are major boosters, and Les Wexner's a major booster, and you're going to complain about losing out because Terrence Brooks might make five grand more at Texas because of a slush fund? Like, is that what we're doing right now? Yeah. Because, like, the thing uh, that bothers uh, me is that, like, as a recruiting reporter, or as a reporter in general, I can't analyze shit anymore. So it's like, <laughs> from now on, I just have to be like, oh, well, anytime Ohio State, anything bad happens to Ohio State, it's because they can't pay them as much. And it's just like, come on, dude. Like, there's more to it than that, right? Like, there's... Yeah, I think so. Like, And if, if you're a, a college football prospect, like Terrence Brooks, and I asked him the question, why did you initially choose Ohio State yesterday? The quote is in my story. He said, I picked Ohio State because they were developing talent better or it, it seemed like a better place to be developed. And I believe that Texas is going to ve- develop me too. If the real answer to that question was Texas is going to pay me $5,000 more a year through a slush fund in the NIL sector, you're a fucking moron. It makes no <laughs> sense. And I'm sorry for the profanity, but like, it's just like I'm at the end of my rope with it. It's like what person on earth would go to a different college for $20,000 when the developmental piece at Ohio state at that position group will make you generationally wealthy in three and a half years. It makes no sense. And if people are doing that and I understand their kids and they don't understand financial discussions the way that maybe adults would, but like, come on, like that's going to be the downfall of Ohio state football recruiting because I can't match the three grand that Terrence Brooks might make in, in Austin. Yeah. And I mean, it's that's not, not going to be fixed eventually <laughs> anyway. Like if that's actually what's going on, like Ohio state doesn't have the resources and the boosters to make that happen. Like, why are Ohio State recruiting writers crying about NIL on Twitter because their team didn't get the players that they've been recruiting? I mean, seriously, like, what? Am I wrong here? I think it's. I think it became a boogeyman. Yeah, and it. And I, I do think it's overblown. And like, I'm not going to pretend like I'm privy to every single NIL situation across the country. If someone listening to this is and thinks that Ohio State is somehow behind the curve in that way. Listen, they're not going to be for long, right? Because they're going to they're going to adapt to whatever the game is. Like, I don't think you have to worry about that. And there are plenty of people with deep pockets who love the Buckeyes who are going to make sure that that's not the case. And they um, also didn't sign the twenty third best class this year, right? <laughs> right. There's still five star prospects from Texas going to Ohio State, right? I think the larger issue of NIL is something worth discussing. And I do think there needs to be uniformity with that. I, I don't disagree with that sentiment at all. Um, I don't think Ohio State it was like like fell victim to people playing fast and loose with NIL rules on Wednesday. And maybe I'm naive to think that. I just I don't I think they lost the kid they had committed for a while because Ryan Day can't project stability with his defensive coaching staff. That that kind of felt well, it was cathartic for me. Thank you for giving me the opportunity. Good, I'm glad you got that, that off your thing chest. I don't you know, your chest. The thing the thing I don't know for real is just like 
what this is going to mean for the game. Like if like everybody is seeing what Texas A&M is doing, right? Texas A&M is in on every single five-star prospect that there is in the state of Texas, and they're going to sign one of the best classes in college football history. Is it because of NIL? Are they out there just just like handing out crazy NI- or money through the guise of NIL? Okay. And if it is, the thing that frustrates me the most is that it feels no different than the same thing that people used to say, yeah. which is bag men are behind the scenes or here's the bag man. It's like, if we can't quantify it, this isn't public information. And all people can say is, well, the NIL is just taking over here, but nobody can ever give specifics of what the deal is or who is paying it or how they're doing it. It's just sour grapes and conjecture without any facts. And like, listen, I understand. I'm not an idiot. I know that there are places that are taking more advantage of this than others. And Texas A&M maybe seemingly looks like they're doing it. Like, I don't, but I don't know. Like, I don't know what they're doing down there. And it's like, how much more money is a Texas A&M signee hypothetically going to be earning than the players who are going to USC, Clemson, Georgia, Ohio State, and everybody else? And it's like, Nobody cares about NIL when Ohio State gets the guy, so it can't be the reason why you're mad every time they don't. Yeah, I think it's... it's, Was anybody mad when Quinn Ewers enrolled early to make a million dollars selling kombucha chi? No, I don't think so. Did anybody go, NIL's ruining the game when Quinn Ewers came to Ohio State a year early? I didn't see any any tweets from Ohio State recruiting writers talking about how bad NIL is messing up the sport then. Did you? I can't recall. Maybe they okay. exist, but I can't recall. Yeah, yeah, I I can. They didn't exist. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. I just look. I don't. I don't. I don't know what it is. It's a coping mechanism. What? Whatever. Like I don't. I think nil has certainly changed the game. Um, whether or not that's Absolutely. sweeping. Whether or not that's sweeping change in perpetuity. I don't know. It changed this cycle for sure. But if some kid got a deal that give him ten grand to go to Texas A and M, and then Texas A and M loses three games next year. And they're not any better of a program just because they signed a better recruiting class. Like that's not sustainable in my mind. That's not like, here's the thing that irks me the most. It's not like your Oregon state. Yeah. Like we're not talking about like Washington state or Texas tech or obscure programs in the middle of nowhere. Like we're talking about Ohio state university who is, probably as well financially equipped, not just within the program, but around the program as anybody in is Les Wexner's name on the scoreboard at Ohio stadium right now. It is. Is he one of the top 10 richest people in America? Mm-hmm. What are we doing? Is I, I don't understand. Like, do people not think that even if Ohio state is a little bit behind the curve, if they lost Terrence Brooks because of this, that is the thing that they, that their penalty for, being behind the curve is losing one defensive back. Like, it's not like they, their recruiting class is a disaster. Right. You know what I mean? Like if you're, if your class was ranked 19th and you knew for a fact that it would have been top five, if you had the NIL stuff set up, then I understand having a long grandiose discussion about NIL. Ohio state sending a top five class to the third highest average player ranking has players from every other state in the country, including Ohio. Like, what are we complaining about? How about this? Ohio State's defense was a joke last year. When it mattered the most, they had to fire people or reassign people, hire a new coordinator, and we don't know what the staff is going to look like next year. And when you're a cornerback from 
Dallas, Texas, who's been to Ohio State one time, and the person that you had a relationship with is no longer the defensive coordinator, maybe that just didn't fit well for them. Maybe right. that's it. Yeah. I think that's I think that's probably more it would be, would be my guess, um, and I think too if there's any if there is fear and I sense that there is about Ohio State not keeping up with with the rest of the sport like I would say just think back to when this all started you know back in the spring I think it was um, when it was like oh, all these NIL bills were on the horizon and like Ohio had nothing planned and then in like four months Ohio State got its NIL law on the books and like they were on basically on time with everybody else getting that implemented and they weren't a step behind anybody so like if there's things yeah. that need to get figured out to like keep pace in this new kind of arms race that get that that is now part of college football recruiting I just think the Ohio State's going to get it figured out so like I don't I don't yeah I wouldn't worry about it and and if while they're figuring it out the biggest thing that they messed up was. Terrence Brooks, which, by the way, is completely hypothetical. That's not a fact. That's just what people are saying. Then they'll figure out a way to get every single lineman on the team six grand. Yeah. The Roosters, the Roosters, Ohio State Cares Offensive Line Fund, uh, a charitable organization that is just the front for putting money in the pockets of players who play college football, which I'm all for, by the way. Give these kids all the money you can give them. They deserve it. They put their bodies on the line every week. Dude, Brian Schottenstein yesterday, money. 15 hours ago, tweeted, don't worry, I'll be starting a 5013C nonprofit for the players soon. Details to follow. Yeah, the most, hilarious part, Nation the most hilarious part student. of that is uh, that it's it's 501. He said 3C, right? Isn't it 501C3? I, I mean, I'm not an accountant. 501C3. Neither am I. Yeah. <laughs> Where Buckeye Nation supports student-athletes and the students support local charities. We'll announce details on our website portal. And What do you mean local charities? With this? <laughs> Is that like, you're going to use a charity as a guise to get these guys paid? Like, I don't yeah. know. Let, those guys have more money than they know what to do with, so let, let them figure it out. But, like, I... Fun, fun coupons. Yeah, those are fun coupons. Throw a lobster at somebody. <laughs> yeah, they'll get it. They'll, there's rich people yeah. who care about Ohio State football. They'll get it figured out. Yeah. They're, yeah. You're, you're fine. And in the they'll meantime, fine. it's fine. Yeah. Yeah. I think that the things that happened to Ohio State were non-financial issues this year. Yeah, play better and defense. It's just like also like part of the game is is winning and losing. When you lose, just accept that you didn't do it. Bad at losing. Way. I guess you, you should just, never be good at losing, but Ohio State's really bad at losing. Yeah, it's just you lost. That's it. You know. And guess what? The sun comes up. January one is fifteen days away, and you get to start all over again. Do it all over again. And you know, you get to do it with some really, really good players, too. Like, Devin Brown is a throw-in in this class. We haven't even said Devin Brown's name once. It's like yeah. this guy is like a top-five quarterback in the country who's just somehow coming to Ohio State. It's right. like Quinn Ewers is gone, and he's going to Texas, and he's probably going to be the starter next year. And it's like, okay, well, I guess Ohio State's just going to have to suck it up with Devin Brown, Yeah, you know, who might win a Heisman in three years. Like, oh, man, come on. we only got the best linebacker and the best safety in the class. What the hell? Yeah. Relax. Yeah. Yeah, it's going to be fine. They're good. They and good if class. it's not, then we'll have more podcasts discussing why they suck. But, like, their class just is not as big as some of the ones that they're being compared to, too. And if you have five or six extra spots, it's easier to fill those five or six extra spots with really, really good players that make your class sexier. And I know it's tough. I know. And I know that, like, everybody in the country that likes Ohio State wants their class to have nine five-star prospects in it. All the things that, you know you feeling are warranted. We're not trying to say that, you know, that they have the best class in the country and to shut up. But like at the same time, in the grand scheme of things, it's also just fine. It's certainly not bad. <laughs> it's not bad. It's not it's not ideal. Right? I, I don't think there's anything wrong with holding the program that you love to a high standard 
a standard that that program has shown itself capable of reaching. Um, but man, I, like I don't, I don't, I, I don't think anyone should be living in a world where like this class at Ohio State just signed is not good enough. This is a pretty damn good class. Yeah, yeah. Uh, but like, it's like too the thing also that I want to make sure that we do moving forward, Bill. And I'm guilty of this. Is this podcast? I think is a source of entertainment for a lot of people. Mm-hmm. I also think that me personally, maybe not you. You're always a little bit more pragmatic than I am. Failed the listeners a little bit this year by not giving more credence to the issues that they had. I agree with that. And if I did that because of the talent, it's covering Ohio State for so long, watching them have issues and then get back on track. It's very easy to say, shut up, everything is fine. We should have seen what happened coming. Or, mm-hmm. or not, I don't think we should have predicted they'd get their butts kicked by Michigan. I would. I listened back to the podcast before Michigan again. And I was like cringing. Like, I was yeah. like, this is really, really wrong. You know? And like, that's that's fine. Like, and I want to like own up to that. And like, in the future, if Ohio State loses to Oregon because their defense got its ass kicked in week two, then maybe I won't just be like, yeah, there's no possible way that the the team that has won 10 or 11 games that it wants to win this game more than anything can possibly beat Ohio State by out roughing them. Like, why was it such hard analysis to come up with the idea that Michigan could do that? So, like, right. that said, if there's something wrong with Ohio State's class or things aren't where they need to be, then I also don't want to just dismiss it because they have good players. Yeah. But that that isn't happening here. They have a really, really good class, and it is one of the better classes that they've signed. It's not very big, which which takes the exclamation point off of it. And also, if they would have signed Devin Brown yesterday out of nowhere, it would feel different. I think that it's all about perspective and timing, too. Yeah. I think that's well said. Wow. It's not it's not it's not the perfect class. They've had like damn near perfect classes. This is the not the seventeen that. class was the perfect class. I thought and even like last year's class was really good. Yeah. Um last year's class was I think the was it the, oh, I don't I can't remember now. I think last year's class was the best class they've had, right? By average player rating. Um and like this it, is a, this it is a, was it yeah. broke the record. Ohio State's class last year broke the all time record um, for highest average player rating. It just happened that Alabama also also broke, broke the record. Yeah, yeah, and broke it higher. So um, Ohio State's twenty twenty one class is the second best class in terms of average player ranking in the history of recruiting rankings, and it only was outdone by last year's Alabama class, which is just a theme. So yeah, but and, and, but. The reason I bring it up is like this one is not it's behind, but it's not far behind. It's like less than a point behind, I think. I mean, um, a point is significant, but like a point is yes. significant. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But it's not. It's in the discussion for greatest. It's like one of the top fifteen classes of all time. Yeah, and like as we get closer and closer, and the thing that I think is interesting too is like that NIL. Like the thought process <laughs> was that NIL was going to make the rich richer, right? Wasn't that everybody was f- afraid of, like the Alabamas and Ohio yeah. States of the world were going to get mm-hmm. more players? The top four players in the country in the 2022 cycle, ladies and gentlemen. Travis Hunter, number one overall, Jackson State. Number two, Walter Nolan, Texas A&M. Number three, Luther Burden, wide receiver, Mizzou. Travis Shaw, number four, defensive lineman, North Carolina. Like, it mm. is kind of cool to see some of these cool and like North Carolina's got two top 11 players, you know, Texas is in there. 
Michigan's in the top 20. Kayate Goodwin's number 25. Penn State, Drew Aller, 27. Like, there's some new new faces in here. And again, if you scroll through really quickly, you're going to see the same five logos a lot. Right. But I don't know that it's having the impact that people are thinking it's having. And, you know, maybe it'll get worse, maybe it'll get better, but that's college football. And I will say one's, one thing is unequivocally true. We opened up Pandora's box in four different issues all at once. Mm-hmm. So, of course, it's going to go haywire. Like, I, th- I do think that Wednesday was the craziest day of, of all of them. For sure. And, like, maybe that's recency bias. But, like, Travis Hunter flipping from Florida State to Jackson State on signing day out of nowhere is the craziest signing day moment of all time, right? Yeah. I think so. What could, what and it's like, I understand that the HBCUs are are starting to have a pool, you know, socially. And Deion Sanders is a pool, so like I can understand why that happened for the first time ever. But the number one player in the country going to an FCS school is mind blowing. Kind of cool though. I like it. Yeah, I think it's yeah. great. Like I think it's like I wonder if Dion. I think Dion is going to get take a bigger job. I think it's going to happen one day. Like I, it wouldn't surprise me if Deion Sanders were the head coach of Florida State in the spring of next year. Like I, I yeah. maybe that's crazy. I think that if you if you, I don't care what the circumstances are, if you are a head coach who can convince the number one player in the country to come to an FCS school, then you are good enough to recruit anywhere. And I don't care what he used to sell it. He could have used the HBCUs. He could have used all the NIL, Barstool, whatever rumors going out there right now. He did it. So if you found a way to do it, then you can do it at a bigger place. I think that's insane. I wonder if Jackson State, if he stays there long term, could sign top twenty-five classes. Uh probably. And if Jackson State signed top twenty-five classes, would they just win every game eighty to nothing? Probably. And create the greatest football dynasty of all time, like the like a high school team playing the J V schedule. Like Travis Hunter's legitimately the best player in the country. And Travis Hunter probably should have been rated higher than Quinn Ewers when they were both in the same class. He is really insanely good. I don't know if you've ever watched his tape, but he could be a first-round draft pick at receiver and corner. Who is going to cover that guy at the FCS level? Like, I don't don't even know how to to visualize that. I just don't think it would happen. I mean, there's good good players at the FCS level, the guys that get drafted and stuff, but yeah. Yeah, no, I'm not saying that everybody sucks at FCS. I'm just saying, like, He's going to be by far the best athlete in the entire level of football, mm-hmm. and like even even if you if he went to Florida State, you couldn't unequivocally say that about him at that level, right? So I just don't know. Like the NFL will find you. That's the sales pitch for Jackson State. I just don't know. Like to borrow another cliche, sh- iron sh- sharpens iron. Like I don't know how that. I don't understand how that's going to play out. But I'm excited to see how it goes. Yeah, I wonder if he'll be there for three years. I wonder if it'll transfer out of the program after year three, depending on how things go and play at a power five or sooner, or whether he'll get drafted in the top 10 out of Jackson state in three years. Like, I don't know how it's going to go, but I think it's the one thing I will say, and I know this is an Ohio state podcast, but I want to say so many players put these HBCUs in their top five as a social statement to like bring awareness to the HBCU culture and all that. The fact that Travis Hunter actually made his life part of that vision 
regardless of what you'll say about NIL money or whatever, I think is really, really cool. Yeah. And I'm really, I'm rooting for him. Yeah, me too. I, I, I'm, I hope it means you get to see more HBCU games on television. I'm fascinated to see how it plays out for him. And, you know, if it means more players might do the same thing he did, I don't think that's necessarily a bad thing. Um, but, yeah, cool. All right, I got to go because I have to go over to the Woody and talk to 16 Ohio State players uh, as part of, like, their on-campus Rose Bowl media day. So um, thank you for the 12 of you who stayed for the Travis Hunter section of the podcast uh, and continue listening to this episode to the end of it. Ohio State has signed 17 players. As of this recording, they'll have 18 by the end of the week with Gabe Powers. More coming. Uh, and then, of course, uh, we'll have uh, the further developments of that class to talk about transfer portal stuff, um, guys coming in and leaving, uh, and, and the Rose Bowl on January 1st against Utah to talk in the coming weeks. So thanks for listening, and we'll talk to you guys next time. Mm-hmm.